Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title for today is Spiritual Tank Busters. Spiritual Tank Busters, you have an insert, grab that insert and you can kind of follow along as we go. But uh, I'm going to start off with talking about excuses, first of all, because we're going to see some excuses here in the book of Joshua. There's nothing more pathetic than a lame excuse, right? Nothing worse. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You're a boss, you're a teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I was looking up a couple here, and I found one on the Green Leaves Hub that I thought were really good. These are genuine insurance claim explanations. Why people had accidents and what they wrote up for their accident for their insurance claim. Here's, I thought, I found them very humorous. First one, I was leaving home for work. I drove out of my driveway and straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes early. Here's another one. Coming home, I drove into the wrong, into the wrong house and struck a tree I haven't got. You figure that one out. The accident was caused by me waving to the man I hit last week. <laughs> These are legit. I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. <laughs> I don't know who was to blame for the accident. I wasn't looking. <laughs> I pulled into a, a lay-by with smoke coming from under the hood, I realized the car was on fire, so I took my dog and smothered it with a blanket. The fire, that was. the blanket. <laughs> You see how confusing. Right? He smothered the fire with a blanket. Um, I know some people are worried there. No, uh, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> and this is national joke. Where is the land? National joke? week, right? Yeah. Laughter, national laughter day. So I, I had it perfect. He just, he just told me about that. Here we go. The, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to run, so I ran over him. <clears throat> he wasn't laughing. Uh, the, the car in front hit the pedestrian, but he got up, so I hit him again. <laughs> the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve. <laughs> I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. <laughs> the telephone pole was approaching. I was attempting to swerve out of its way when it struck my front end. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. Here's the next something you wrote for the policeman. I'm sorry. Uh, I told the officer I was sorry for speeding, but without my glasses, I could hardly see the speedometer. And here's the last one. There's lots of them. I know I was going fast. I was trying to get the snow off my windshield so I could see where I'm going. (laughs) Did some of you write these? Crazy, right? Sounds crazy, but we all do it. We all do it, even with God. We make excuses for why we're doing what we're doing when it's clearly not what he wants us to be doing, right? 
As we'll see in the book of Joshua, some very lame spiritual excuses that might just be convicting to someone you know. Nobody here, but someone you know. Uh, We're looking at Israel taking the land, the promised land, which is a picture of our spiritual battles. Physical battle is a picture of our spiritual battle. They're getting their inheritance now, just like we have been given promises from God. We've been given these promises from God. They were commanded to drive out the Canaanites, just as we're commanded to drive out sin out of our life. And just as the Canaanites and the, the, the Jebusites and you know, all the different ites, it's like having termites. You know, if you have termites in the home and you say, well, I'll just let them live there. They're not going to hurt it too bad. You know, years later it comes crashing down, right? But that's what, that's what they did and that's what we do with sin. We allow it to remain in our, in our life. Uh, they were promised victory. But they didn't gain their full victory. In fact, we've been looking at, not only did they not gain their full victory, they even lived in defeat. Sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> it's all about us, the physical, the spiritual battle. They, we already saw they were deceived by sin. Remember the Gibeonite deception? They were deceived by sin. They fell in love with sin. They intermarried with the, with the Canaanites, which they were supposed to get rid of. They intermarried with them. They fell in love with sin. And then we also saw last week how they tried to make sin pay. They tried to make sin pay off. They kept these pet sins in their life. And all this is very convicting to all of us, as we already saw. Listen to the CD or the podcast if you weren't here, because that was really part one, very important. Part one is really leading into this one today. And we talked a lot last week how we try to meet our needs the wrong way. We try to meet them the wrong way. And today we're going to talk about how to break the cycle. Of doing that, how to break the cycle, this unhealthy spiritual cycle in our life, how to, to break that, which is the spiritual tank busters. Okay? Let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing each one of us here today. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for this communion time that we're going to be having. And we pray that your word would prepare us for this communion, but more important, preparing us for daily communion. For connecting with you on a continuous basis. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 17, and we're moving pretty quickly through the end here because it's kind of like these broad brush strokes here as we get through uh, Joshua, uh, tribes getting their inheritance, and things like this. So I'm projecting this summer we're going to finish the book of Joshua. So don't blink. Don't blink. You'll miss that. Um, we're going we're gonna to finish up pretty quickly here. Joshua 17, verse 14. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Hmm. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear the land for yourselves there in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephites. The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for all of us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots, both those in Bethshan and those in the settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are numerous and very powerful. You will, not only, you will have not only one allotment, but the forested country as well, clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. We're going to have fun with this one. 
Last week we saw the Israelites tried to make sin pay. Now they're trying to make excuses. They're trying to make excuses. They're making excuses for not claiming their inheritance, for what God commanded them to take, what he promised them and gave to them. They are a bunch of whiners. Even though it's the two biggest tribes and they're so big and blessed, they're a bunch of whiners. We can't live in the hills. They're too high and we can't live. There are too many trees and we can't live in, in, in or in the plains. You, hear, you catch that? The hills or the plains. Neither one's good enough. We can't live there. We don't want to live there. They start whining, right? Verse 14 and 15. We'll read this again. Verse 14. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion of an inheritance? We're a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. We see what's coming out. We'll hit that a little bit later. If you're so numerous, Joshua answered, And if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear the land for yourselves. They're in the land of the Perizzites and the Raphaites. Uh, we can't fit. We're too numerous. We're too big. And, and they're complaining about that. But what was the real problem here? They were lazy. They were lazy. They didn't want to cut down the trees. Right? When it, when it comes right down to it, they didn't want to cut down the trees. And that's probably why God gave them this plot in the first place. Because he knew they needed their character developed. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, they're whining... Their, their whining exposed something in them, right? It exposed something. It exposed pride, right? We're so big and blessed, right? And it exposed their laziness. And that's why God gives us challenges in life. He's working on us. He's exposing something that needs exposing. And then he's disciplining something that needs disciplining. That's why he does that. And Joshua, he says here in verses 17, 18, But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are numerous and very powerful. You will, not, you will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it, and as far as this limits will be yours. See what he says to them? Joshua's answer is, get to work. Chop, chop. Right away. Right? Get to work. Right away. And it's important for us, too. This is for us, too. Nobody here whines, but you might know, know someone who whines or be married to someone who whines or have someone in your family. You might know someone like that, but none of nobody here would whine. But that's why we, same thing, right? It's important for us. So many times when we face these obstacles that God is trying to work in our life, we, we focus on the trees, but we shouldn't be focused on the trees, why am I facing this obstacle? Poor me, pity party. I'm the only one who has it bad. How many times have I said that to myself? All right? Uh, instead of focusing on the trees, what should we focus on? The discipline. Focus on the discipline, on the character that God is trying to develop in our life. Get to work. Get to work. There's another key issue that God has exposed and, and challenged them on. The excuse number one was there's too many hills and too many, too many trees to climb, right? Too many hills to climb, too many trees to climb. But then the second excuse is in verse 16. And this is even more serious. 
The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots. Catch it? Iron chariots. Iron chariots. That's the second excuse. But now, this is a legitimate excuse. Right? This is a legitimate excuse. Iron chariots were like army tanks. Think of tanks. Think of the movie Fury, you know? That's how, these were scary. These were the, the army tanks of the day. And, and they're very scary. And that's why this is a legitimate excuse, because this is, these are powerful weapons that they were facing. So I, I, this is, I'd call that legitimate, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, God did send the ten plagues in Egypt and wipe out Pharaoh and all that. And he did part the Red Sea and, and wipe out Pharaoh's army. And he, he did part the Jordan River, too. And he did knock down the walls of Jericho, miraculously. But, but iron chariots, that's God's weak spot. Right? That's God's weak spot. If only they had wooden chariots, they could, God could have helped them out. But, but iron chariots, you know, you could, it's no wonder they came to Joshua and played it, you know. You know, and if, you know, we understand that, right? What was the real issue? What was the real issue for, what was behind this excuse? It was a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. God doesn't care if they had real army tanks back then. Forget iron chariots. He wouldn't have cared if they were real tanks. He didn't care. Right? Doesn't matter to God. Look at verse 18, what, what Joshua says. But uh, He says, But the forest and hill country is well clear, and its farthest limits will, the, will be yours. Though the Canaanites have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Because who's really doing it? God's strength. We depend on God's strength. We've got to fight, but we, we depend on God's strength, his mercy and grace to fight. Can, can you believe these guys? You talk about spiritual dodos. I mean, I, who, can you believe they had this attitude and this lack of faith and would just... Can you, shocking, isn't it? I know, we all do the same. No, we all do the same. Don't we do the same thing? Many times we lack faith. I know I should stop X, Y, and Z sin. Now we talked about sin, anything in God's word that goes against God's word because it's not his purpose, his plan for us. He's not trying to, we talked about this a lot. It's not trying to take away our fun. He's trying to give us a full, abundant life. And he knows sin won't get us there. It will only destroy us. We talked about that a lot. If you weren't here last week, make sure you get the CD or listen. But we lack the faith I know I should stop X, Y, and Z, uh, but it's too strong for me. Too strong for God and me. Addictive sins come to mind. Many say to me, I've heard this many, I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody said it to me, I can't help it. It's a disease. No, it's not. Addictive sins are not a disease. Hebrews 12, 1 in Hebrews 12.1, God calls it a besetting sin. If you have that, the, this Bible, the NIV version says the sin that so easily entangles. The King James Version, besetting sin. It's a sin that gets a hold of us and, and, and clings to us and, and trips us up. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a real battle. That's what the world calls addiction. The Bible calls besetting sin. A disease is something you catch. Usually through no fault of your own. You catch a cold. You know, you catch... You catch 
something. You end up with, with a, a disease is, is something we catch, usually through no fault of our own, although sometimes it is our fault. You get an STD through sexual sin, you know, that's different. But usually, but with addictions, besetting sins, we open the door through disobedience. We open the door through sin. And then after we open up that door, and we keep opening up that door, then we end up with a besetting sin, a big problem on our hands that is a lifelong battle to fight. And, and I say that not to, not to say there's, I don't have compassion for someone with a besetting sin slash addiction, but it's important if we're going to get our healing, if we're going to get our victory, we have to own the responsibility for fighting it, because we, we, we were responsible for opening that door. And it's very, very important. Very, I'm very compassionate with someone who has, a, who has a besetting sin slash addiction. But it's really important for any of us to get victory is to own the responsibility for not only opening the door, but fighting our way out of it. If we don't understand that we are responsible for fighting our way out of it, it will, we will never get the victory. There's no magic pill out there. There's no cure. It's a spiritual battle that we must fight. And we often lack faith because of these powerful sins, the besetting sins. We lack faith, so we make peaceful coexistence with that sin, just like they did. We make peaceful coexistence with that sin. I think of the word adaption. Adaption is when something's not... Not positive, but we, we adapt to it. We learn to live with it. I think of the farm. When I grew up on the farm, I grew up on a, a dairy farm, cows, moo, right? And just in case anybody didn't know what they say, but uh, city slickers. But, uh, but it, it didn't smell that bad. No, no, cow, cows don't smell that bad. They didn't smell that bad. But if I went to the chicken farm, woo! How do they live there? Burns your eyes, all that ammonia. Or I had friends with pig farm. Oh my. How, I wouldn't even want to go over there. It smelled like pigs. It was horrible. But cows weren't too bad. But funny thing happened. I went away to college, got married, moved away. Came back with my kids to visit the farm. And all of a sudden, it smelled really bad. I don't know what my dad started feeding these cows. But something was stinking. Nothing changed, right? It's adaption. And that's what we do with sin. We learn to live with that stinking sin. Right? We learn to, to, to live with it. And when we do that, it ignores God's word. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13 is a great one. If you don't have this memorized, get on it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's what adaption, that's what lack of faith there, ignores. That there is, the, God's word says there is no sin we can't resist. There is no sin that we cannot defeat with God's help. Through God's mercy and grace, we can battle anything that, it, that goes against God's word, God's purpose, God's plan for our life, anything. And I want to give you some keys from God's word here 
to breaking free, to living in victory. And I got to look at your insert there, the tank busters, the spiritual ammo to take out the iron chariots in our life. The iron chariots in our life. And I got all ours here. The first one is recognize. Recognize. Recognize the damage that sin causes. It, that sin hurts our relationship with God. It breaks our relationship with God. And also, it, it hurts us. It breaks our relationship with God and it hurts us. Just like if you have a child who's doing something wrong. Right? It, you know, it's hurt, that what they're doing is hurting them. And, it, and, it, and it's terrible. You see it? Them hurting themselves. But also, it hurts the relationship with you as a parent. Because that's always in the way. It's always in the way. Because that, that, what they're doing, that wrong behavior... That the self-destructive behavior is breaks the fellowship. Not the relationship. They're still your son, daughter. They're still your child. But it breaks it. And that's what sin does. It hurts us. And it also hurts our relationship with God our Father. We also have to recognize something else. Recognize why we're vulnerable to certain sins. Why, why are we vulnerable? What need are we trying to meet? Because much of sin, we talked about this last week, much of sin is trying to meet a legitimate need the wrong way. Right? It's a legitimate need that we have, but we're trying to meet it the wrong way. Not God's way, we're trying to meet it our way. That doesn't excuse our sin. We're still accountable for our actions, but it does help us understand why we're vulnerable to certain sins. We're still responsible, but it just helps to understand, okay, why do I, does this sin have such a pull on my life? Why do I have a weakness here? Why have I, what is my, why am I, what is going on in my life? It helps to understand, and it also helps to understand then how God wants to meet our needs in a positive way, in the right way. And this is where Christian counseling can be very, very helpful. Talk to another Christian brother or sister. There's a lot of great Christian books. But Christian counseling is really, really helpful in this area. In fact, in the insert, I listed several Christian counselors that, that our church uses. There's others too, but, but there's, those are some that we use on a regular basis. I always tell people, if you need help, talk to me. Talk to Kim. We'll connect you with the right Christian counselor. But some people are afraid to do that, so I put them on there. You can call them directly, okay? Uh, they're from different geographic areas and you can call them directly but but it can be very very helpful to talk to someone and figure out why am i vulnerable and what need is trying to be met and, and how does god want me to meet this need in a godly way so recognize the problem is once we open the door to sin and, and it, it becomes a stronghold in our life we need help breaking that struggle once it gets too strong, we need help breaking it. And the next R's that I put two together is repent and renounce. Repent and renounce. Very, very important. In fact, in Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confessing and renouncing. Repenting and renouncing. Repentance all over the Bible Renouncing not as often, but they're both very important pieces here. Repent is when we say, God, I see what your word says, and I know what my behavior says, and I'm going to follow your word. And repent literally means you're walking this way, and you do a turn, complete turnaround and walk the other way. That's what the word repentance means. It's very, very important. It's, it's vital for salvation when you come to Jesus. The, we ask for forgiveness, but with forgiveness comes repentance. God, I'm going to repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. 
Very, very important. And then our whole life is, is a constant confessing of our sins, keeping our, our fellowship clean. That's what communion is about. That's why confession is such an important part of communion is because you're cleaning or cleaning out the relationship. We're knocking the walls sin down between us. We're keeping our fellowship clean. So repentance is, I would use it like, I use a picture of a dog. You're walking your dog. And you have it on the leash there, hopefully. You're walking your dog, and all of a sudden it sees a squirrel. You're walking this way, which way does it go? Wherever the squirrel's going, right? Boom, they're gone. And they're, you're yanking, you're, and you're pulling you, and they're going the other way now. They're, they're chasing that squirrel. Uh, that is repentance. They repented of going this direction, they're going the other direction. That is a picture of repentance. But the problem is, renouncing goes deeper. Because it's one thing to repent, but oftentimes we still have to break the hold of sin. Because even though your dog has repented and gone the other way, what are you holding on to? The leash. And usually they can't get away, but renouncing is different. Renouncing is when you break the hold, too. You not only go the other way, but you break the hold on your life. You break the, ch- the, 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 the leash. We break the chains of the leash. And the dog keeps going and, and it tries to break free so that you let go and you don't have a hold of that leash anymore. That's what renouncing is. And it's not easy because you have to break the chain one link at a time. One link at a time. It, it, it's not easy. It's a spiritual battle. I, I use an example of sexual sin because it's an easy picture. When, if you are struggling with sexual sin, the very first thing you have to stop is the behavior. Whatever that behavior is, whatever the sexual behavior that goes against God's word is, we have to stop that behavior. Then you got to take the next step back and you got to break what's feeding it. What's feeding that behavior? Something on the internet? Something on the TV? Whatever it is, right? What's feeding it? You got to cut that out. Then after you've cut the behavior and you cut what's feeding it, the next step in the battle is to deal with the thoughts. You got to get to the mind and, and, and deal with the, the thoughts. That's very important. And after you're battling the thoughts, now you're close to victory. Now you're where we have to be to, to win the victory. And not only that, once you're fighting the thoughts, you got to get to where you fight the first thought. It's always the first thought. Once you can fight the first thought and say, by God's grace and God's mercy, no to that first thought, the victory's there. But you have to break each link of the chain and get back to that first thought. And, and that's easy. You can apply it to anything in your life, right? Any struggle. Getting back, backing up, breaking that chain and renouncing it. Very, very important. Renouncing it. After renouncing is resisting. Resisting. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves First to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'm sorry, then to God. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First, don't just start resisting. If you just start resisting, you're going to lose. First, submit to God. God, I need your help. I need your mercy and grace. I'm going to fall for this. I'm going to mess up again. First, it's submit to God, and then... Then resisting the devil. Resisting. How long do we have to do this for? As long as you're breathing, right? As long as you're breathing. 
doesn't end, oh, good, I've done, I've resisted the devil, I can move on. No, no, no. Every day, every hour, every minute, every second. It's a, it's a lifelong battle until we get to heaven. Until we get to heaven. And then, recognize, repent, renounce, resist. And then, this is really key. Really, really key. And this is where a lot of people don't get to this part. But it's really, really important. Is the renewing. The renewing. Romans 12.2 Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. The mind is the key. Whatever you think about determines how you live. Fact. Vital to renew the mind. In fact, in Romans 8, 5 it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have that mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. You catch that? Whatever you set your mind on is the way you're going to live. Sinful nature or the spirit. It's like watching TV, which is hard to do if you want to keep your mind pure anymore. It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's getting worse and worse. But when you set a channel, you, you watch a channel, you set it, I'm going to watch this. That's what you watch. And that's what you're going to... Let's say you set it on uh, uh, the uh, Sixers. You're going to watch the Sixers. And every day you keep watching the Sixers. What are you going to probably become? Sixers fan. But what if you click it on the Warriors? I use some. You click it on the Warriors and you watch every. You become a Warriors fan. Whatever you set your mind on is what we what we become. And it's so vital to cut out the junk, the garbage in our life, and to renew our mind through reading God's Word, through memorizing God's Word, through meditating on it, to to letting that truth transform our minds. Philippians four eight talks about that. He says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's it. it is, is, is thinking about God's word and focusing on God's word. That's how we renew the mind. Being with Christian fellowship. TFI, TFI, the fellowship group, the home fellowships, you know, being women's Bible study, ladies Bible, ladies Bible study, men's Bible study, the, the, the men's purity group, these, these groups, are, that's, that, that fellowship renews the mind. How about us? How are we being convicted? What are we recognizing this morning? Maybe you're realizing you're using sin to try to meet a need. And it doesn't. <laughs> Believe me. You end up miserable. You end up empty. You end up dying spiritually, killing ourselves spiritually. That's what we end up doing. Are we ready to repent, to renounce, to resist, and to renew? To renew. I want to encourage you to talk to somebody about renewing. If, if there's something, you, you, it's, it's helpful to talk. I already said the Christian counselors, there's people in our church, there's Kim and I, we'll connect you. No matter what your struggle is, there's about five other people here already going through that at some level that can talk to you. We got it all covered here at the church. Believe me. There, there, we have groups for every, not just individuals, but we have groups that you can connect for any struggle you're going through. We have groups. But I also put two books in, in the insert there. One is The Search for Significance, and the other one is Victory Over Darkness. 
There, we have some of them in the back table there. You can order them yourself. We're going to get more. We always have them out, out, out in our bookshelf there. These books are really, really helpful for what I'm talking about. If you could work your way through this yourself or with another person. We have lots of people that would help you work through these books. Uh, even another Christian work through these together. Life-changing. Life-changing on, on what we're talking about today. Renewing, being renewed spiritually. God can set anyone free from anything. This church is proof of that. We are proof of that, aren't we? God can set anyone free of anything. Our, our church verse right from the start, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, do you not know? Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what we were. That's what we were. But it doesn't have to be what we are. Has it become your past yet? Have you become a Christian? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you realized that sin separates us from God? Now and forever, sin separates us from God. Maybe you're here telling you, you feel the emptiness and what I'm talking about. And you want a relationship with God and a real life with him. God has made a way for every one of us to say that's what we were. We can all be washed, sanctified, justified. The word justified means just as if I never sinned. And we can have that through Jesus Christ. God has made the way. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever repented of your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and given your life to him? You can do that now. On this communion Sunday. That's what communion is all about. What it is, it's the, we have the, the bread and the cup. And, and this, what it represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded us to take communion. Didn't say how often, we do it once a month. It, it's a reminder of the body that he gave on that cross when he died on that cross in our place. And the blood that he shed for us to wash us clean. And then he proved he was the son of God by coming back from the dead. Proved it. Proved that he took our sins. He's made that way, and that's what we're remembering, what he did for us. And how we take it, we just, we just have some, some worship music playing, and we're going to do a couple songs in between today, so just wait till I uncover it today, because we're going to do a little bit different. But we have the, the music playing, and, and you just come up and take it when you're ready. You take it back to your seat. You can take it alone. You can take it with a, a friend. You can take it with a family member. There's no right or wrong way. It's between you and God. The only reason why we shouldn't is if we, there's two reasons the Bible teaches. One is if we're not a Christian yet, we shouldn't take communion. We haven't put our faith in Jesus yet. If you haven't, it's okay. We don't videotape. Nobody looks around and judges. Not. It's none of that. Just pray and wait for the next time. But I hope you do. You can do it today. Uh, the second reason is that there's a sin in our life. There's one of these sins we've been talking about. And we say, God, you can't have it. 
I don't care what, you write, what your word says, I'm not giving this up. Then don't take it. But I hope today that we do say, God, you can have this. I repent of this. I give it to you. Because everybody can. It, it, we don't have to be perfect. We have to be willing to surrender to God whatever he's calling us to surrender. We're going to go to prayer now. And just so you know, there's always prayer teams up front every Sunday. If you need someone to pray with in the corners, there's someone there to, to pray with. Eat, during the service, after the service, they'll stay here until 1 o'clock. They'll, they'll skip lunch, whatever it takes. They'll pray you through something. You need prayer for your, you know, physical healing. You need prayer for some emotional struggles. Some, whatever it is, they're there for you, okay? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us on this communion time? Let's all take this time to pray and to prepare. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. But you realize today, maybe for the first time, you realize that your sin has broken your relationship with God, our Father. And that that sin is not just hurting our, our relationship with God, but it's hurting us. And maybe you're realizing that for the first time, really understanding that. And today is the day that you repent and ask for forgiveness and, and put your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. You don't need a religious rite. You don't need a religious person. It's a prayer between you and God, heart to heart. God, please forgive me for everything I've done wrong, for every sin in my life. Please forgive me. I'm repenting. I'm going the other way. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. His death on the cross for me. I surrender my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you can now commune with God anytime through his son Jesus. Not just on communion Sunday, but you can connect with him anytime, anywhere, in the car, in bed, out walking, anytime. You can connect with God and commune with him, finding his mercy and grace. I want to encourage you, if you have put your faith in Jesus today, to let somebody know so that we could encourage you and help you in your new life in Christ. You could tell me on the way out. You could fill out the card. You could tell a family member or a friend, anybody. Just let somebody know today. For the rest of us who have put our faith in Christ, how are we being convicted? 
Maybe we're realizing what something in our life is doing, what that sin in our life that we've adapted to, what it's doing to our fellowship with God, to our, to our spiritual joy and the full life that God wants us to have. Would we repent of that and renounce that sin? Will we resist? Maybe it's a resisting part. We need to submit to God and resist the devil. It's a resisting time, the issue for us. Maybe we're ready to renew. It's a renewal issue that we need to focus on renewing our mind. We've, we've ripped some sin out, but there's a void there that needs to be filled with God's spirit and his word and, and the full life he wants us to have. Father, we pray that as we go to this time of communion, that your spirit would move in our hearts in a powerful way. I pray that we would all know your love in in a whole new way. We would know the joy of a close communion with you, purpose in our life, real life that you want each of us to have through Jesus Christ. Pray that in his name.